Blog Talk Radio. cannot stand the theme music to the show. And I am looking for suggestions that I don't have to pay for. So, yeah, if you have somebody or a piece of music that might be fitting the show, let me know because I'm, like, over it. Anyway, it's loud, it's obnoxious, it's fucking old. I know I am too, but you come to expect that from me. Anyway, with me this afternoon for the hour is my... One of my favorite writers, Diana Rochelle. But before we get to her, Desperate Housewitches is not GPG or even an R-rated show. So, eh, bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you. This may not be the show for you, but you know it is. Come on. You already know what you're dealing with. Desperate Housewitches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredibly wicked one, my favorite, Dorothy Morrison, please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. All right. Author of multiple books, including the soon-to-be-released but kind of already hex-twisting, yeah, give it up for Diana Rochelle. Hey, lady, what's up? Hi, I'm doing good. So for those confused, I will answer to Rochelle, but I usually go by Diana Rachel. Um, and yeah, my book is out sort of, kind of, but officially not until December 8th. So if you're getting it, (laughs) yay. Oh my gosh. So I've been pronouncing your name incorrectly the whole fucking time, huh? It's Rachel, not Rochelle. Yeah. And I think we've talked about it a few times, but at this point you're old, I'm old. I'm lucky if I answer to, Hey, you. So I think we're fine. <laughs> okay. I am going to write it in big phonetic fucking letters. And I think what's throwing me is the J. So I'm trying to pronounce the name as – I'm trying to pronounce the J as a Y. And I think that's my problem. And I need to just kind of ignore the J. Yeah, just for, yeah, just pretend it's not there. The J is a Y sound in Polish. Or the Polish pronunciation is Rahel, but I only really do want to do Ooh. that if I really need somebody for, to produce some phlegm. <laughs> oh, you're hilarious. I love you. So how have you been? I haven't talked to you in a minute. It's been a little bit. What's been happening? How's, how's the COVID situation on your end of the world? Um, what's been going on with promotion? What's been going on with travel? Tell me every little thing. Wow. There's been a lot. I think the last time we talked was in February, so it's been a minute. Um, Yeah. So I am a COVID long hauler. I did just get my booster shot. And, yes, the vaccination did actually help with the long haul symptoms a lot. So 
we are able to take our ten year we took our ten year old actually he's eleven now on his birthday for his first shot, and he is so excited because that means spring soccer is coming back, and he has missed it and he's been running up the walls so it's it's good to see that (laughs) I was really excited for him, and normally he hates needles so that was impressive he was a champ like. All I had to do wow. was find a picture of baby goats, and he was fine. <laughs> so nice. that, that went pretty That's well. Awesome. Um, yeah. We did an Urban Magic relaunch tour this summer because the book came out March 8th of 2020, and we all know what happened there. Yeah, and so, yeah, so I was planning on spending my, like, post-divorce year just, like, driving up and down the West Coast to every shop that would have me. And I uh-huh. ended up in Michigan instead. Oh, <laughs> um, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I met my current partner at Convocation in Detroit. And the only reason I was there was because my business partner in San Francisco was, was just suddenly got this bug of, you, you need to do another Midwestern convention. You need to do one. I know you do Minnesota every year, but you need to do this. And I'm just looking at her going, are you crazy? I, you know, my money has disappeared. <laughs> what are you talking about? But sure. I went and did it. And, right. you know, I mean, granted, my partner's introduction to me was me yelling, gentlemen, get the fuck out of my room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it has evolved since then. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, let's get to the point. All right. What yeah. happened? What? Yeah. I'm lost. Well, what I need happened? breadcrumbs. So, Yeah. <laughs> So I was one of the um, newer presenters there, so nobody knew who I was, which I'm used to people not knowing who I am. I've been doing this for 20 years and flying under the radar for a bunch of different reasons most of the time. So, you know, I come in, I have my first, like, big Diana Rachel book (laughs) to present, and Uh nobody at Convocation knew me, so they put me at 1030 at night on Thursday night. So Okay. And there was one presenter before me, and I guess he's actually, like, really well-known in the heathenry movement. I don't know him because the Norse stuff doesn't appeal to me. I'm Polish. It's it's a thing where I respect and value it. It's just, hi, neighbor. Please stay off my lawn. We're good. (laughs) Um, Right. But my partner is a Finnish shaman, so even though it's not really Scandinavian, there's a crossover. And so... They were there, and they were having this super intense conversation in the class with the teacher right before me. And I was jet-lagged because I'd just flown in a couple hours before. And I'm looking at this super intense conversation. And if you go to these cons, you know what those look like. You know when it's going to be like a super huge thing for the people involved. And I could see that, and I wanted to give them the space for that. At the same time, they were doing it. They were making no move to clean up the room for the next class. And so I came over and, like, yeah, and I did the, hi, I'm going to need the room in a few minutes, and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, and they kind of like, oh, oh, of course, whatever, and then immediately went right back into the super intense conversation, making no move to clean up. So I looked yeah. at this. I set a timer on my phone. I just kind of sat and chilled for about 15, 20 minutes. The timer went off. I had exactly 10 minutes to get my room ready. <laughs> And I stood up, and they were still being super, super intense. And I stood up, and I was trying to be polite, and the jet lag kicked in. And what came out of my mouth Uh was, gentlemen, kindly get the fuck out of my room. Wow. And they both, like, 
yeah, stared at me, deer in headlights. If I had done this in Minnesota, I would have had two permanent enemies. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, guy types in there are ungracious about this sort of thing. But with two, the absolute credit of both of them is I got the room set up. I did have to skip a few things I didn't, that I wanted to do that I normally do. And both of them came by before my class started to apologize to me when I feel like I was the one that was rude. And in both cases, yeah. And in both cases, they're like, well, you know, we'd like to talk to you more later. And the presenter, he didn't have time. He had too much going on. But the other one, Cinti, um, you know, like something came up and I just kind of, especially since when I was running the Emperor Norton's uh, Magical Folk Social in San Francisco, and we joked that it's the island of misfit toys for magical people. And they were talking to me about, yeah, I'm finished. There's not a lot of stuff for that here. It's not really recognized the same way. And I just looked at, looked at them and went, you're one of mine, aren't you? And they didn't know what that meant. They thought I was talking about my class. And, you uh-huh. know, I'm like, okay, well, let's have coffee later. So the next day I go into this class on precision cursing and they're there and they get super excited to come sit by me. And they asked me for that cup of coffee and it turned into, it, it turned into basically a day long conversation. Um, and then the next day, and then the next day they'd heard about the empath class I was teaching and initially I had been asked to teach it as a children's class and I was not, and I had noticed that they'd moved it from 9.30 on Friday to 9.30 on Saturday. And I thought that was just because I'd complained about, hey, you're having me teach the last class that night and the first class in the morning. That's not cool. But it turned right. out the reason they moved it is when they used SCED to show the interest, it was much larger than they anticipated. And I didn't think to look at it. And I walked oh. into 65 energy-sensitive empaths, psychic vampires, and other variations, almost all of them in some kind of stage of crisis. Oh, and wow. And turns out my partner, Cinti, has worked with emotions as animistic spirits for more than 20 years. And so while I was teaching oh. people the, the esoteric energy management and how to ground and shield properly and why you need to do it differently if you're an empath, they started working mm-hmm. the room on the other side and they just met me and it was like oh. we've been working together 20 years. Like, you know, it was oh. just, okay, I know what you're going to do. You know what I'm going to do. You take this, I'll take this. It's like we already knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, nice. And so, yeah, like when we came out, there was a friend of theirs that was waiting to meet me and she asked, so how long have you guys known each other? And we're just looking at her going, we just met. You know, mm-hmm. but a lot of people, yeah. like, they were assuming that, like, we'd been together together and we literally just met. I ended up in Michigan because we were going to go to Paganicon in Minnesota together and it got canceled the day before I was going to fly out. And we had already decided that we were going to take a road trip, get to know each other better, see what all was there with us. And I'm like, okay, there was some other shamanic work they wanted to do with me. So I'm like, okay, I'll fly out for that instead since my plans have changed. And so I flew out there and shelter in place at San Francisco. And then two or three days later, it hit Michigan. So I couldn't, and my flights were canceled. So I just kind of had to stay there. And I guess it was just a high pressure cooker. Let's see if we work. Wow. Yeah. That's 
pretty remarkable, actually, because life yeah. doesn't normally work that way on any kind of level that I know of. Where you, I mean, it just yes. Have I have I married people like when you know I've met them and it's like. Oh, you two seem to have known each other forever, and it's like, yeah, we just met. Um, but it all works, so we stick with it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, that's very cool. And the fact that you know, COVID just happened to have happened in such a way to kind of throw you together is fairly amazing. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that is not what it had in mind. COVID seems highly impersonal to me, but it worked out that way. <laughs> um, yeah. Nothing wrong and, with the and, universe working in mysterious ways, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, and I... I'm pretty sure without the pandemic, I probably would not have landed here. I love San Francisco. Um, My partner and I are both already trying to figure out, okay, so how close do we have to watch the market until it drops back into normal humans can afford it, which looks like it may actually happen at some point. Um, But it's also the, you know, all of a sudden I'm stepping into a role as a mom and stepping into a role as somebody who is co-parenting children and, Fortunately, that also seems to be going pretty well, and I know one of our kids has special needs, and so that's been like a rapid learning process in the middle of all of this career stuff that my partner's pushing me to do while they are working very hard to finish school. So it's been, and I'm not going to say it was the, oh, it was so easy. Like, both of us have been married before. I was involved with a trans person before I was involved with them. And so I, there, there's, like, extra difficulties that can be added that I was prepared for. And it's just the, okay, we've both been through this. We, we know what mistakes we've made. And, you know, like, the first six months, it wasn't, like, first date conversations. It was, here are the tough conversations that most couples avoid having in the schmoopy phase. Yeah. Yeah. Which is smart to have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's- several conversations I wish I had had during my first couple of marriages. I finally wised up on number three, but there's still things that, you know, we didn't prepare each other for, but that's just a totally separate thing. So (laughs) things seem to be going fairly well for you. I mean, kind of intense and a lot, but yeah, I don't know. You always seem able to handle everything and, you know, energetically, even when things are good, they're difficult. So managing yeah. all of that, you've got to be made out of some tough stuff. I'm not so sure I'm that tough. So I give you a lot of credit. <laughs> parenting, co-parenting, parenting a child that's not yours, um, all of these things have their own set of, um, I don't want to say problems, but um uh, bumps in the road. <laughs> yeah, mean, the, there's definitely there's there's stuff. I mean, that's a lot. And and you have a child now with special needs, which is other stuff. So, I yeah. mean, I don't know how you're getting it all done. Um I think, you know, I mean, from the title of your book, <laughs> Irritated Witch. <laughs> yeah, you must you must have some serious moments. <laughs> 
Oh, yes. <laughs> that, that, that book came about over the process of many years of aggravating behavior. And I am even now just learning about some grand old occult traditions of just being a dick to somebody you think is a newbie. <laughs> so, wow. And it, yeah. yeah. And no, so a lot I, of, I want to hear the yeah, rest a of lot of thought. Um, so I guess that, and again, it's the, because, and I think I've talked about this as I was Wiccan and I like formally had my coven release me from initiations and vows. And there's certain Uh things with initiation where you can't unring the bell. I want to acknowledge that, but it was coming to understand that because of the work I do with animism and the way that I work and invent it was going to start becoming both dangerous for me and dangerous for people in a tradition with me. So it was the, we're going to part ways absolutely amicably, which, you know, Mm -hmm. leaving a coven amicably is a feat in and of itself frequently. (laughs) So I've been very Uh fortunate that way. Um, But one, there are some people that had their opinions about me doing this that were not part of the situation or agreement who tried to find ways to use magic to enforce their opinions. And Mm. there's just, you know, you've seen, we're both big fans of Dorothy Morrison, and she will talk about, like at Hexmas, she was telling the story about the lady that was having an affair with her husband who decided that Dorothy was in the way of this somehow when clearly she wasn't. And the logic fail there is a whole other separate thing of social conditioning. Plus that woman ended up with Dorothy Morrison on her ass. I pity her. Right. (laughs) But um, it was, there's just a lot of people that get really petty and it's, you know, these days magic used to be, the information about magic and how to hex and curse and send negative energy. It's not that it wasn't happening. It's that it took a lot more effort to find out how to do it. These days, especially as the more American, North American originated folk witchcraft has come out and, you know, I'm Slavic. So I'm seeing stuff from Europe that was not necessarily um, within the Wiccan sphere, but more of the folk, the folk practice sphere that has started to evolve into its own thing. But all of that information uh-huh. is on the internet. A lot of it is accessible, you know, and a lot of it is that also people aren't dealing with their emotions nearly as well as they used to, in my opinion, maybe, you know, yeah. and I think this is something that's a, a really bad byproduct of World War One and Two, And mm-hmm. it kind of creates a powder keg buildup. So what yeah. used to... You know how there used to be issues with adolescents when a kid hit adolescence where poltergeist activity would start because of a combination of emotional buildup, what the hell is happening to my body, and, you know, the kid living in a society where kids basically have no power, and so it would burst out in weird ways, except now this is starting to happen with adults, too. Wow. And... You know, I am me. I challenge people. I am a beautiful, fat woman who makes no apologies for being queer or liking, you know, liking the things that I like or doing the things that I do. And this, no matter where I go, this fucks with somebody's head and they will occasionally implode in my direction. (laughs) Sorry. And, yeah, and this has been something that has happened to me since I was a child in different ways. 
And mm-hmm. when I was a child, I had some protection from it, from ancestral stuff and family stuff. And then, you know, this is the thing is when a parent dies, that protection leaves you. And my father yeah. died, and a good chunk of that protection left me, and I had to deal with it. And that started with figuring out what the hell is going on, because I came from that 1980s, 1990s schooling of curses are very rare. They don't really happen. And I had to uneducate myself from that to fully accept Mm -hmm. what was really happening. And then because you can't really deal with it until you can accept that, hey, this is really happening. And, you know, I've been very fortunate in that the last two fully licensed psychotherapists I've had are both witches. So I don't have to worry about talking to a professional about the trauma side of it with, you know, with further consequences, but I'm thinking about like, so I'm going to be teaching at WitchCon this February and I'm going to be teaching class on healing from magical trauma because it's the natural follow-up to hex twisting where, okay, first you've got the problem. Somebody has decided to unleash all of their flying monkeys on your damn lawn. Uh So here's how you deal with the monkeys, but then you have to deal with the damage to your lawn. Yeah. And yeah. And so I'm thinking about okay, so if you live in a region where you cannot talk about witchcraft or magic or the impact of somebody breaking your ward somehow, you know, if you can't talk to your therapist about that, you know, how do you code it so you can still get the help you need without creating further risks to yourself and your family? So this is the thing that I'm working on now. But For the stuff that was in there, like some of it was just the petty, the I'm mad at you, I'm going to throw. And, yeah, you can do a reversal, but if somebody is prepared for you to do a reversal, it can turn into a game of tennis. So one of the things I was teaching at HexFest was tricky reversals, which is how to do the reversal in such a way that instead of a game of tennis, it's storing ammo. It is giving yourself some energy you can sell to a spirit. Mm. It is, thanks for the energy, I'm going to use it and recraft it for this in different ways. And, you know, know, finding different ways to either get these people to wear themselves out. My personal favorite was Mm -hmm. when I've been in situations where I've had two different people who didn't know each other throwing at me for different reasons. And I would bind them to each other so they'd just be throwing at each other while thinking they were throwing at me. And this would be too busy to bother me. (laughs) So... I have also used this in management techniques. Wow. Yeah, I have used this in, I I have also used this during the, during my daytime life. Yes. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek said, hell is other people. And I consider that advice. Oh yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's good to be able to have the tools needed when you are either an unwilling or not even a participant in somebody else's shit um, to be able to say, oh, look, you both have, you both have really bad aim this week and you're just aiming at each other. I'm going to facilitate that a little bit more and give you guys more to do so you leave my happy ass alone. Because I find in certain situations, even if people don't necessarily know you're a witch, they know you're a witch. Oh, you yeah. Know what I mean? I have seen it's, yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, and I live in the South. 
and there's a lot of people who they just can't put their finger on it. <laughs> they're not quite yeah. sure why I'm so different, but they just know there's something that gripes their Botox, and they can't figure it out. And it's like, mm-hmm, I know. What is it about me that makes y'all so crazy? Hmm, got to be something. And, of course, you know, I don't bother to tell them. Some of them know, but some of them really don't. Some of them just think, there's something going on. Stuff goes weird when she's around. And that's about the sum total of how they they figure it out, which is fine. But, um, yeah, every once in a while it's like, just leave me alone. Please leave me alone. Please leave me alone. Oh, you don't want to yeah. leave me alone. Okay. We're going to fix you now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, especially when they decided to go prayer warrior on you. And I know this was, again, this was one of the fallacies of the 90s, is there were a lot of people who assumed that if that Christian warfare, because they didn't believe in Christianity, that this somehow meant that the religion didn't have power or no power over them. And Uh a battery is a battery. Electricity is going to shock you Uh no matter what's generating it. And... Like, you, you do run the risk of, like, running into the prayer warrior types that are still going to come at you because that's still magic. Yeah, and, and they it, don't believe it. It's so weird when they refuse to accept the fact that what they're doing is actually magic. I think right? it's hilarious. <laughs> yep. My mother, yep. Well, my I mean, mother is one of these people. It's It's incredible to me. It's like... And my mother was a fucking magic user at one time, which is why it's even more astounding to me. It's like, how do you not know this shit? But she's changed. Maybe because it feels different to her. But, yeah. Maybe. Or denial. Denial could be part of it. Oh, God. I mean, with most of the Christian stuff especially, if you know the spirits they're talking to, if you are in a place where you can just, treat the spirits as spirits and not as deities and go, you know, Hey, I just wanted to talk to you. This person that's like talking to you is doing this. Could you make it stop? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Jesus yeah. is built as a nice guy and actually is, there's a reason. And, you know, it, it's a little different. We've got a whole congregation on you, but I do talk about that in the book, but you know, it's yeah. again is, these are, they may have different flavors. The energies may feel different ways, but it's still magic. I mean, do you remember when the book Prayer of Jabez was popular? Like it was on a bunch of bestseller lists in, I want to say, 98. And oh, it God. was this prayer yeah. that was, yeah, and it was this cute little book. And all of the super churchy types are coming in and buying it and going, oh, this is so good. And I looked at it, and it is a prosperity spell. Uh-huh. It even talks about the step-by-step way to line up your mental and physical energy to get the best results from the prayer because it's a freaking spell, people. I know. Oh, my gosh, I know. You know, and I was watching this show the other night um, about this woman who had started this church movement, and they were all losing weight, allegedly, based on um, basically praying it away. Um, you know, instead of instead of indulging in your love of food, you were supposed to indulge in your love of Jesus. And it's like, oh, my God, Jesus is all right, but he's, he don't taste as good as this damn donut. I'm sorry. I don't know how y'all are doing. Anyway, 
everybody who had done it apparently put all the weight back on when the founder went to jail or and then she died or no she didn't go to jail she died in a plane crash it's just so interesting how people will justify certain things that they want to believe i'm astounded right well, now mm-hmm. I'm thinking about that story. She died in the plane crash. Like, was she an energy vampire or something? So she's just, like, sucking the pounds out of them? Because, wow. Yeah, she was she was sucking something out of them. I think the whole thing was that she was, you know, when, when you have somebody who's a preacher, and all of these people, it's all entertainment. And it fascinates me how people are thinking that things are, Oh, you know, it's a holy messenger. No, it's not. You're being entertained. You are being tricked by a magician. You are being entertained. That's all that's happening. You know, I'm not saying that there aren't some people with some kinds of powers, but not not to this degree, not like this. I mean, these folks, it's sleight of hand. It's, you know, stirring up um what is it called when you have a bunch of people and you stir them up so they're all on the same page? It's not mob mentality necessarily, but it's this kind of hypnosis where you have everybody on the same page at least for a little while, and while they're in church and all together, it's all groovy. But at some point when you guys leave the church, or, you know, for the afternoon or the week or whatever it is, the energy immediately. And it's it's palatable. You can you can feel it. Interesting. And there is a word for it, but I can't think about what that word is. And I know mm-hmm. and it's odd because I've seen that energy used on smaller scale with covens and for group mind work. Mm-hmm. Um like mm-hmm. it's been something very similar, except usually there's like discussion and consent before people do it <laughs> with the, right. this is what's going to happen. You're going to need some aftercare um, because you will, like there's just stuff that can happen to you psychologically when you do this kind of work. This is the price of magic. But yeah, yeah I'm thinking, okay. So like thinky thoughts the and not enough coffee to keep up with the thinky thoughts, but yeah, I have seen that, and yeah, it's you know everyone's like super super into it, and then reality intervenes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible that mob that mass hypnosis, that mentality of you know we're all going to believe this, and you're going to feel so good, basically because you're being told to. And I think it's it's a weird trick because for a lot of people it starts off as, I'm not going to feel that no matter what you tell me. But because of all mm-hmm. of the energy that surrounds them in that moment, when you're talking about a congregation of like 25 people and you have one person who's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You can almost see the resistance wane while the conversation yeah. is going on. It's it's really amazing. But and what I want to creepy. talk about is, yeah, I mean, in addition to this, I mean, some of the stuff I wanted to talk about, because I do want to talk about the book, and you and I have this bad habit of you come on, we have a plan, sort of, and we never follow it. 
Oh no, we're terrible. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's because I, mean, I could talk to you for hours because I, I mean, I've always been a big fan, but you know, I just I get you on the air and it's like, girl, blah 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 blah, <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. and then it's like, but we got to talk about this. Okay, so let's let's go back to what we were supposed to be talking about, so the publicist doesn't come after me and say. You know, Raina, we love you, but you you you, you don't really talk about the book much. So yeah. <laughs> so anyway, hex twi- hex twisting counter magic spells for the irritated witch. Now, what is the biggest misconception about hexing? Do you think? I think first of all, I think that one of the biggest misconceptions about the book is that it is just reversal magic. And mm-hmm. I think one of the misconceptions about hexing, you know, I'm not sure. I think that a lot of it comes down to a lot of people think that harm none applies wholly to how you to how you go about breaking a hex. And mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in self-defense, and a lot of hex and curse magic originated as defense for people that didn't have any other means of protecting themselves. So mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you are looking into anything from feudal Europe to African slaves in North America, you know, both of those, you know, both of those people were in places where other people basically owned them. And sometimes your only option was to, ha- was to poison or hex a bitch. And Agreed. it has evolved. Yeah. And, you know, not everyone is going to use things in a way that we would agree is morally upright, but you have to understand that where it came from was not from a sociopathic mm-hmm. place. It was from a, I have no other options place. And you know, that is I why. Find, Hexen- I find I have a lot of, I find I have a lot of issue with other people deciding what is morally correct without yeah. having all of the information. And even, I mean, how much of it is anybody's business when you need the when you need to protect yourself against an entity or a person who is wishing you harm? I mean, how much of that is really supposed to even be for public consumption? Because my issue is, you're not living this life, and I don't need your permission to protect myself in whatever form I find will work. And I just find it very interesting that people have a whole lot to say about what other folks do to protect themselves. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on that, too. My thought is that as long as you're respecting other people's boundaries, it's nobody's business but yours. The problem is that a lot of people really like to get up in each other's boundaries going, no, my way is the right way and not yours. And Mm -hmm. I have noticed a surprising number of attacks that I've dealt with have actually come down to somebody trying to decide for me what was right or wrong for me to do to protect my own, protect my own space. Um, I know, you know, like another, it's related another point of contention that can come into this. If I'm dealing with a ghost that is being violent, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, trying to release it or go into the light and heal it. That's all fine and well, but one, sometimes, and this is a tricky thing that I'll be talking more about as I get more into the empath work in, in future years. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there's a certain level of narcissism in thinking it's your job to heal everything. 
If that, you know, if I'm having okay. problems with the ghost and breaking things and punching me, no, I don't need to gently release it. I can either trap it or kick its ass out. And, right. you know, yeah, it might be, there are situations where healing might be the better option. And I always do a reading and see what the best option, but even with something that's dead, there are still choices and it can choose not to heal. Interesting. But that, and if it's, yeah. And if it's choosing not to heal, it can do that somewhere that's not on my lawn and somewhere that's not on my neighbor's lawn. Interesting point. So, I hadn't even thought about that. Cause you know, when, when you're in a reactionary modality and you're thinking just about basically saving yourself or your loved one, whatever the situation is, you're not really thinking necessarily about the ramifications of what your actions may or may not be. You just know you wanted to stop. So yep. I think, I think your approach is something that I know I need to think more about because I'm very reactionary. And I think, you know, the idea of, you know, just make this, this bad energy, this bad feeling, this bad entity go away, isn't really enough thought, you know, no. I know, I know I, I feel like it is, but it's really not because, there, there are repercussions. No matter what you do, there is a repercussion. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, are like, oh, you know, that whole comeback three times, whatever. It's not that I necessarily believe that. I do believe that for every action there is an equal reaction back. Um, and you really need to be careful about what you might be inviting back in. So the way I put it in the class that I taught recently was there's no such thing as a way. So when you banish uh-huh. something, it still goes somewhere. And uh-huh. it's going to be more successful if you decide before you banish it where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if you're going to banish it to a volcano or to a black hole, it helps if you have a little talk with a black hole or the volcano <laughs> and make sure it's okay yeah. with that because if you have an animistic spirit on your ass, you can't banish those. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, like animistic spirits just are, they are not banishable. Like, I, I've actually, like, taught classes where here's the rating. So, you know, a fairy you can banish, ghosts, jinn, whatever. But, like, once you get into stuff that is that is and was and never has been, you are made of it. It is not made of you. You are not going to be able to banish it. And. Yeah, again, having been, you know, put through some fairly intense field experience in the process of writing this book and what led to me writing this book, I've learned a lot of things that, you know, like I adored Scott Cunningham, absolute foundation work for my stuff, but Scott Cunningham never wrote about metaphysical vomit <laughs> or, or some true. of the weird ways. This is true. Yeah, or, or weird ways that you can get injured when you are dealing with magical attacks or spirits that are not happy with you or just an energy that exists in the world alongside you that just doesn't agree with you. And, yeah. you know, I don't think I mentioned metaphysical vomit, but I'm happy to talk about it, you know, assuming you haven't eaten first. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, the, you know, and I, I like that you mentioned Scott Cunningham because while, you know, a lot of those works were considered very important, they didn't deal with, and I think part of it was to make the idea of witchcraft 
easier for other people to take. Um, yeah. And I think that maybe a lot of the reason why some of these things never did get addressed in those writings, and I understand that, um, but I'm so grateful that we've actually managed to evolve to a place where we can talk about the not-so-pretty aspects of magic and, you know, its uses and and our ability to protect ourselves. I mean, it just seemed like a lot of his writing was from a very um, peaceful Age of Aquarius kind of um, standpoint. Yeah. And, you know, and I appreciate that. Listen, I'm an hippie too. I, I love all that. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, there's some shit out there that we didn't talk a lot about many years ago that definitely needs our consideration. We need to protect ourselves from things that are um, not quite savory, you know. I mean, there are people yeah. wishing to do us harm even still. And it's it's a good idea to know or at least have a guideline of what those boundaries should be when you go to protect yourself, which is why this book is so friggin' necessary. Um, and I like it a lot. It's a great book. Um, but what would you suggest to somebody who's just blindly angry? I mean, because I know a lot, there are a lot of witches who are just fucking rageaholics, it seems. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. <laughs> and there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of just spilling of, I mean, there's some folks that, that look for slights and, perceive certain things as a slight even though slight was ever intended and mm-hmm. I, I I am concerned about people that just fly off the handle um, and how yeah, and they seen, might yeah yeah please no take that yeah we please. have so we have our share of drama queens and yes we have our share of people with personality disorders just like any other practice out there um, yep. what I would suggest is, and, and, and I've heard like who, like hoodoo and contra practitioners especially have the, don't do magic when you're mad, but you know, you're definitely going to do magic when you're mad. What mm-hmm. I try to encourage yeah. is to be proactive to prevent having things to get mad about as much as you're able to, which none of us mm-hmm. are omniscient. There's always going to be something but also yep. to stop and think about, like, I actually have a map of if something comes up that is serious enough, um, I do a series of readings and have a map of where do I need to control for collateral damage? Like, are there kids that might be impacted by this? What can I do for them yep. first? You know, if I do yep. X, Y, and Z, is this person really doing what I'm thinking they're doing? And that can be hard to get out of that, especially if you just don't like that person. You know, mm-hmm. and just like a series of questions to ask yourself, um, including the question of can this bad situation, can this energy remain in the way it is, and can I turn it into something that benefits me instead? Because there is nothing mm-hmm. quite as pleasurable to me as seeing somebody who is wishing me harm get all pissed off when everything they throw at me turns out to do me a favor. It's like an yeah. attack without being an attack. And they lose their yep. shit, and it is so fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I find like, it rewarding if you can, when that happens. Yeah, 
So if you can, like, get yourself to slow down and think about it, do. And unfortunately, there are certain people where they're just, their brain chemistry isn't going to let them do that. Um, if they are able to get to a point where they can, like, have some forethought about, hey, I have this behavior pattern, aside from the, you know, talk to a therapist, learn your anger management stuff, I would suggest doing something where you take a crystal or some kind of container where you can store your mad, put the anger energy into that in the moment, and then give yourself that room. Once you've drained the anger out of yourself, give yourself the room to think and plan and see what needs to be done here. And then you've literally got the battery from that emotional energy to draw on for the spell. And if it wow. turns out you don't need to do that, you can just save that for later. Yeah, you know, and as I've gotten older, I try to employ that more, more of that thoughtfulness and more of that examination before actually doing something. And I have to admit to you, the truth of the matter is some of the things I get mad at is not even the fault of the person I think is doing something to me. They are either mm-hmm. being leaned on by someone else or someone else has put them in a position to try to force me into another position of, of mm-hmm. you know, being angry. So I, I yeah. think the ability to stop before you really do hurt somebody I'm not saying that people don't deserve it <laughs> sometimes, but you got to be super clear. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen people throw and then something shitty really happens, and the person they threw at in the first place wasn't even the person who deserved the throw. Yeah. So it, I it's still to step back and, yeah. Yeah. It's I, I just step back in instances where people throw and it bounces back in fucked up ways. So, yeah, I mean, even during, like, okay, so I'm an uber liberal. Everyone knows that. And there's a whole bunch of folks who wanted to throw some shit on a previous um, person in charge. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of scared of that. I don't know about that. Um, let let me do my part, but it, not in the same way necessarily. So I had other things I I wanted to aim at on this previous person, and I did. And you know they're going through some shit. You know it's happening. Um, but you got to be careful. <laughs> I mean I don't think I, I and I'm a hothead too. I'm very reactionary. I have a horrible temper. Ask anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you still have to employ caution. Even when you feel justified, you've got to not just feel it. You've got to know beyond the shadow of a doubt. And that's a lot harder than people want to admit. It is. It is. And it's something that can take years and sometimes decades of cultivation and you know, I am also fortunate in that my life partner is almost military-minded in the way that they think. So, like, there have been times where I'm like, I'm going to go. And they're like, nope, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. This may not be what we think it is. And they've been right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also because they have one of those brains where they can see possibly, like, they have this vision ability where they can just, like, 
see like 80 different possibilities at once and figure out like, you know, Mm -hmm. do the math in the moment to see what's most likely. It's, it's kind of crazy. Most people do not have the benefit of somebody like that by their side. Um, On the other hand, my business business partner is very much a shoot from the hip. And Uh there's times when the shoot from the hip is absolutely the way to go. And in her line of work, it's something that's necessary at the same time with what we're doing. No, you got to slow down. You know, just please remember to slow down, which she doesn't always like hearing because sometimes sometimes she likes the chaos. I, I think that's part of that, too. What will get me in trouble is when I can see if I do X, X, and X, because I like, you know, I have an evil sense of humor. And if somebody's Mm -hmm. fucking with me, I will walk away laughing. You know, I may not even Mm. necessarily harm them. I will just confuse them into submission if allowed to do so. And so I will do the, but it's funny. No, just because it's funny does not mean it is the right expedient or helpful thing to do. Mm -hmm. Now, if it happens... You know, you know. actually think about what you really want here besides just a good laugh. And this is the one where I have yeah. to remember that it's more important that things turn out okay for as many people around me as possible than it is for me to just get a good laugh at this person that may be stuck on something that happened between us 20 fucking years ago. So, Interesting. you know. Interesting. Yeah. So I wanted to ask so, you, have you ever cast, you know, because we're talking about next twisting, have you ever cast and do you have a story of casting and being totally fucking wrong? Uh, let me think about this one because for me I've spent a lot of my life in some gray areas. Okay. Because So here's the tricky thing with me is that I really do not start fights. I don't start them. I only finish them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and this is quite simply because I figured out very early how much of a punch I can pack. And mm-hmm. I've taken that responsibility fairly seriously. So I'm trying to think if I have hexed somebody. That, okay. So there's one I did by accident and I thought I was wrong and I got overruled. Um, I had an ex-boyfriend when I was like 19 or 20 I took all, I moved mm-hmm. out to Minnesota for him from Wisconsin. And when I got there, he basically just decided he wanted nothing to do with me and was a complete dick about it. And wow. in the course of walking back and forth of what the hell, dude, and I think some of it was just that I think he was bi or gay and just didn't want to tell me. And at that age and at that era, I kind of understand, but it was still just, it was a combination of that. And he'd had one of those Christian upbringings where any lustful thought was the nearest woman's fault. You know, oh, that, that kind of crap going on. But, you know, I was yeah. young. I didn't know better. I was from that kind of community. So at the time, I just accepted that. Whereas now I would be like, yeah, no, bye. <laughs> um, right. And I had, like, I was so pissed at him. He'd broken every promise he'd made me. He did not keep his word about anything. And then was acting like I had done something wrong. And mm. I, you know, one, my friend did get me to mildly vandalize his truck. We put baby food on it and left him a note with baby wipes to clean it up, saying you wiped your ass. Now learn how to do it yourself. So mild oh, wow. vandalism, but not even if we needed a car wash. Just, 
you know, I was, I was mad. Yeah. Well, and I did not really understand what a man, the relationship between a man and his pickup truck were at the time. Now I do, and I have <laughs> even more contempt for it. Um, uh-huh. Like what you do with the tailpipe is on your business, but do not make it a social obligation for me. Thank you. Um, uh-huh. But what I felt like I got so pissed at him because like, even after that, like he did this thing where we'd sort of make up and then he'd pull back. And at one point I was working as a cashier at Walmart and his parents came through the line to apologize to me for their son. I had never met them. And they were wow. coming to apologize for how shitty he was being, which, yeah, that, that shocked me. Um, and I just completely lost my shit and said, I hope you die alone one day. And like, and I felt it like come out from underneath the building from like the energy of everything around me, like right from like the gut and the solar plexus and the heart. And like, it just like, I like the minute I said it, I knew I'd whammied him like, you know, uh-huh. thunderbolt, like hard. And I looked at that and I'm like, okay, that was a big energy release, but I didn't connect that there, it would have connected with something as mad as I was at the time. And then I noticed because he stayed like peripheral to my friend's group in college. And I realized that anytime he showed interest in any romantic interest in anyone, they basically ran away. Wow. And I, yeah, and I realized that after I met a girl that kind of got interested in him and I hung out with him and then suddenly said enough's enough, like out of the blue, just the moment things would have started moving forward. And I went, I think right. I might have cursed him. I think I might have really cursed mm-hmm. him. And so I went through and did a reading yeah. and I did, like completely cursed yeah. him by accident. And I, you know, I went to a ritual, I did a ritual to Ma, I asked that the curse that I did be lifted, and the answer I got was no. Uh-huh. Um, it was a no, he was dishonorable, he yep. deserves this. And so mm-hmm. it's really weird, because I'm still friends with some of his friends from college, or I was until a few years ago, just because of moving around. And yeah. he is still single and still has not had a relationship since he dated me. So, wow. and I tried to list it because I'm like, wow, that was too much. We were young, but apparently, like, whatever I did, wherever it came from, when I had something that, that was, uh, you know, an entity of judgment, like, over it, it was, no, this is this was deserved. We are not lifting this. You know, we know you yep. feel guilt. We acknowledge you feel guilt, but we are not lifting this. Yep. Okay, so that's almost exactly the same situation that I have, and it's something that has haunted me. I have asked for it to be lifted. It has not been lifted. I have tried to reverse it. I can't reverse it. I've asked all the gods I can find to help me with this, and every answer has been no, and that has been for over 35 years. Was there oath breaking involved? Oh, yeah. That's why. I, yeah. And this, is yeah. and this is like an aspect where people will think, because I will have people come to me for curse breaking. And uh-huh. when there's oaths involved, oaths operate on their own energy in the universe, which is why you have to be so careful what promises you make. Mm-hmm. Because there is some some other energy or entity that oversees that. 
And yep. I know I was in a situation, um, there have been situations where there's been a question of whether or not I've broken an oath. And in those cases, it was a, well, you can't change your mind about what the oath was after the person has left. Um, exactly. Yeah. And there have been people that tried to pull that and that's come back on them pretty badly from that energy. And yeah, yeah like if that person made an oath, they were taking the responsibility for the energy. The only way to correct that, especially because it won't act, it will let you take the justice that you need for you, but mm-hmm. it won't act until that person chooses to make amends. And it has to come from a truly sincere place, not just a get this curse off of me, but and I have done wrong and I need to correct this. So and unless I have that to person tell you that part of my curse actually in, included that and part of the curse was you have to do right. You have to you have to make up for all of the shit that you did. And yeah. that was never it, that part was never done. And even though I felt guilty about it, because you know that you you move on from relationships and life changes, and I apologize for keeping you late, but I I, I want to have a little bit more of this conversation if you're cool. Um, oh, that's fine. But yeah, cool. Um, you know, when you when you feel like you're putting something out there um, as far as a hex of a sort. Sometimes I do believe that the universe will use whatever is going on between you as a tool to perhaps protect other people, which is what I think happened in your situation and mine, that, you know, we we just happened to be there at a point where the universe was like, hey, other person, you know, we've we've kind of let you know that you're you're fucking up and you need to you need to settle back and, and reexamine doing to these other people. Uh, okay, we've given you every opportunity. We're now going to use these two humans or this human um, to to exact what we feel is justice upon you. And you know, this person never got into a, a serious relationship after me. And I, it sounds like that's pretty much happened in your case as well. Um, yeah. So I do believe that sometimes the universe, even though we're taking responsibility for having, quote, unquote, done it, um, that we're, you know, <laughs> we're sometimes tools of, of the God's divinity, whatever gods we, you know, whatever deity we may ascribe to, you know, sometimes we are used for a purpose that may be a little bit higher than the one we're currently in with that person. Yeah, I think that, yeah, sometimes we are the delivery system. And, yeah. you know, I, it, it, and with me, because I absolutely believe in deities, but I'm also more of an animist where it's the, it, it's the very permanent things I work with the most now, but the deities are still a factor in that because sure, there's all of these, these human things like honors and oaths and just, the, the, the learning to respect boundaries is almost a new concept these days. Yeah. And yeah, it, I think that's one of these reasons, like we're going through this weird enlightenment slash dark ages right now, um, both emotionally, like emotionally and morally and technologically. 
And so that the hexing and the cursing coming out at the same time as we're starting to see a like a slight slowdown in technological advances and more resistance to it again. And, you know, even though stuff is still moving forward rapidly and it's just very, you know, even the people who are the most Kantian absolutists are kind of stuck in this phase of being morally relativist by necessity. Mm hmm. Just because, yeah, we just like there's just so much stuff happening where there is no frame of reference. And I think yeah, something that you mentioned earlier and something I wanted to point out that I would like to mention in the context of hex twisting, because I know it is not culturally anchored in any specific way. Most of the stuff comes from my own practices or I may have borrowed from another culture, but then made it my own in some way. And yeah. one of the things, because one of the things Scott Cunningham did was, made um, Wicca especially well-known in the United States and in the UK, more in the United States. And it was Wicca is one religion that allows for one kind of witchcraft. And part of what I've been finding as I've been helping people with curse breaking is that witchcraft is global and there are many, many kinds. And that means that yeah. – if you have one person from a specific culture, like a Slavic witch cursing someone who's Wiccan, they're gonna, both going to be using mm -hmm. different tools. And if you're doing a curse breaking, you need to find out everybody's tools that are involved. Because it's going to be different yeah. tools, different spirits, different people you have to talk to, different land entities. It's just all going to be, it, it's, there are going to be certain principles that are the same. There, like there are, like, I like how you were mentioning thermodynamics before, because I think both ethically and practically, most magic comes back to the laws of thermodynamics. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's the absolute that transcends all the cultures, is we are still subject to physics, despite our best efforts to get on a broom and take off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and the better you understand that, the more empowered you're going to be with anything anybody throws at you. It, especially if you're like coming up against someone where you're both operating from completely different moral frameworks where one person, it's just about what they believe is right. while the other person believes they're protecting what's theirs. And this is one mm -hmm. of the worst situations I've seen where, you know, most people when they're in a conflict, they believe they're in the right on either side of the conflict. But yeah. it is also, so sometimes, and sometimes, and this is really difficult, is both sides are actually doing right within the context, mm -hmm. within their own context, just not where they're crossing over. Right. And part of this is where the boundaries keeping is absolutely necessary, but it's yeah. also, and this is something, a hex twist that most people wouldn't think of, is recognizing when this is happening and doing a working with the intention that everything works out the best possible for everyone involved, which takes some not being mad to do. Yeah. Is to, you know, you know, bring in a miracle resolution, you know, that everything works out in the best interests for everyone, you know, or mm -hmm. if nothing else, just just move you two to separate universes so you can just, you know, play like toddlers where it's parallel but not with each other. That's a hard one. I mean, it's the best it's the best possible way to go and I see and appreciate that. And it is part of what I am learning to do as far as, you know, because I have a 
basically scorched earth mentality. And I know that about myself. And because I know that, I can employ the methodology where I don't scorch the entire earth because I know that is what I will jump to first. So there is a lot to be said about recognizing and accepting the parts of you that have that level of anger that might try to raise the entire earth because you're pissed. So I would, I would encourage folks who are like me to, to take heed to what we're listening to because Diana knows, Diana recognizes the different personality types. And I'm telling you, this book is going to be extraordinarily helpful for folks who feel like, oh, yes, revenge is sweet. Mm, be careful. <laughs> because this is not a license to kill, as it were. This is a book about thoughtfully taking stock in what you're doing before you do it and before you do destroy everything in your path. And you, believe me, it, it's satisfying until you have to clean up. Yeah. And you always end up having to clean up. And there's always I, – I know people will talk about magic having a price or a kickback. And kickback is a thing, you know, especially if you're firing off when you're mad. And mm-hmm. it, it's not like you don't know it's coming. <laughs> and it, it mm-hmm. can even happen in predictable ways is I went scorched earth. Oh, shit, that was my car, too. Yeah. So one of the things I would suggest, and this might be something that, you know, people might do better talking to my partner, Cynthia, about because this is their area of expertise, is we deal with our most powerful emotions or really all of our emotions as animistic spirits. So we talk to them like they are individual spirits. So Mm -hmm. it may be a good idea to start a dialogue with your anger going, okay, what are you bringing my attention to? What are you trying to protect what do you need me to understand? And, you know, can we do this with me making the decisions and not the anger making the decisions? Mm-hmm. And that, that's a difficult conversation because that usually brings up some, some rough stuff as to how the anger yeah. came to be as powerful as it is. Yeah. But then oh, once, yeah. once you're able to have that conversation and it does take practice, it becomes a really potent ally. It does. And some people go as far as to naming, giving it a separate name altogether. I haven't gotten to that that part of it yet where, you know, I can identify it with a different name. Um, but I understand that there are some people who find that extraordinarily helpful. Um, and it also reduces a bit of the burden of the guilt. But by the same token, you know, a lot of this is driven by childhood trauma and Mm -hmm. it's okay to recognize that and to delve into that because there's a reason, there's a reason why we all have certain triggers. There's a reason why road rage is a, it, it bothers me more than it bothers the next person. There's a reason for that. Something happened in a car once that that makes me react that way. There's a reason why we have certain things that just set us off where other people are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> We're fine. Yep. Everything's fine. Why are you so upset? But that's a lot, like you said, that is 
that is a lot of the self-examination, and it's worthwhile to do. And I think this book can be really instrumental in helping you dig up some of that shit to figure out, well, why do you feel so strongly about this particular thing that you want uh, you want to exact a level of revenge? I mean, there's there's some things, yes, if somebody has really hurt you, and I mean really hurt you and, and done awful things to you, there are ways to go about it that will maybe minimize the damage to yourself, even if somebody yeah. else deserves it, you know. So that's part of the beauty of yeah, this and, book. And, you know, and a lot just, of what I talk I about... Just, I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. Um, a lot of what I talk about, especially in the beginning, is just cut cords, you know, sever connections, bind people out mm-hmm. rather than binding them because this way you don't carry that energetic burden. Mm-hmm. And this way you basically move, their consequences are theirs and you're not sharing them with them anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of taking on, you know, you can actually make things worse for yourself by encouraging that energy to become part of you. And I think folks don't necessarily realize that they're doing that. Um, it's a really interesting thing because you can be, you, you've heard the, the, the saying of you can become your own worst enemy. And a lot of that is how you do it. You actually, you know, like I had a parent who was very abusive and I had to be very careful when I had small people of my own to be very careful that I did not turn into the thing I hated most. Yeah. Yeah, because, well, think about it. Most of us, we model our parenting on our own parents. That's mm-hmm. who we see, and so that's, like, what we go to automatically. And my, I came from a family where I was the scapegoat. And so the way I was taught was that my feelings didn't matter, my experiences didn't matter, if someone else was having an issue, it was my problem, even if I had nothing to do with the cause of the issue. And I don't want to parent from a place of everything is your fault because you're here. Or mm-hmm. you're the favorite, and, you know, you're the favorite and you're the scapegoat and I'm going to have a bad day and take it out on you. I do not want to do that to my kids. I had it done sure. to me too many times. Yep. And, oh, me too. you know, this is the thing is there's been enough people, you know, and, and it did create an energy that followed me is, you know, through even my early adulthood, I ended up being in the social groups where I would get scapegoated a lot. And it has impacted the way I socialize. It's impacted my trust issues, but I yeah. refuse to let it make me be cruel or make me be bitter. You know, I still want to be open to the good people in the world and the good relationships. It's just I will tolerate a lot less shit on the way there. And that also means that sometimes if somebody starts trying to use magic because they don't want me working on my business plan for Golden Apple or they've decided that I don't deserve whatever it is they think I'm getting, then Mm -hmm. I'm going to look for who might get hurt. I'm going to look for how they might get hurt. I am going to decide what level of impact they deserve. And then I'm going to, I'm not going to directly hurt them, 
because this isn't my mm-hmm. style, I am going to do a Godzilla act and go break their toys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I totally get it. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So I have kept you way late, and I apologize for that. But as always, a most enjoyable conversation. And I'm so looking forward to you coming back in February because you and I seem to have this thing, February, November, February, November. And I promise you, it's not something I plan. It just works out that way. But our next conversation, for folks who don't know, is going to be about polyamory, which is something Diana knows a lot about. So we are going to have that conversation in February, which is not very far away at all. Check your local listings. And Diana, the book is called Hex Twisting, Other Magic Spells for the Irritated Witch. It's a great book. I really recommend it. Tell people what's coming up next for you, where they can find you, and all the good information. Are you doing anything live? Um, I Right now, we are in negotiation for possibly something in Minneapolis, but I do not know yet, and that will be in December. Okay. I am going to be doing a guest spot at Hex in Salem on January 8th. So I will be in town nice. to do egg cleansings and curse diagnostics and curse-breaking consultations for one day only in Salem, Massachusetts. And and also um, in the next couple, so this week I am teaching at Elements in Kalamazoo. This is online and in person. I'm teaching a Magic Second Sundays for super beginners. So I'm teaching magical self-care. And on the 18th with Wicked Grounds in San Francisco, and this is an online-only class, my partner and I are teaching shadow work for empaths. So it's our level two empath training with the deeper cord cutting and with some of the self-examination and you know more of the looking at what you believe an empath to be as opposed to simply learning about yourself. Nice. So these are the things. That you're doing. Um, and you can find them on my link tree on Instagram or on dianarachel.com if you'd like to follow up on any of this stuff. Awesome. Diana, thank you again. I'm really looking forward to February. I hope you have a blessed Yule. And you and I will be talking again very soon. Thanks again. Absolutely. Take care. You too. All righty. Okay, everybody, that's it for today. I will be back next week. Have a wonderful week. Bye. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.